Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. All right, folks, I'm feeling better. I'm back in the studio. It's wonderful to be here. This is episode 109 of Perception is Reality. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. Thank you for giving me a little bit of your time. This is going to be an episode that you're going to want to share with everyone you know. So remember the tagline, share the show with everyone you know. In just a few moments, I'm going to be welcoming back to the program Mr. Donald Rainwater. Donald Rainwater is the libertarian candidate running for governor of the state of Indiana. Now listen, don't get it twisted when I say libertarian candidate. Everybody always gets their underwear in a bunch when you hear libertarian candidate or third-party candidate. This gentleman is sharp. Here's what it means that he's libertarian. For those of you that know, you know what it means. For those of you that might not know, it just means he wants you to be free. He wants you to have liberty, and he wants you to be able to be the best you that you can be in the state of Indiana. And he wants to make sure that the government is not getting in your way. This will be Donald Rainwater's second appearance on Perception is Reality. Myself and Miss Carla Carnes interviewed him, and that episode released back on May 9th, 2020, episode 101. It was called Rainwater for Indiana. Libertarian candidate for governor of the state of Indiana. I will link that first interview in the summary of this episode so you can get that interview as well. Please share that interview and this interview with everyone. Of course, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Radio Public, and many, many more. You can find us by entering in the full name, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, or simply and easily enough by entering in Bilbrey, B-I-L-B-R-E-Y, podcast. That's the best way to find us. It pops right up on whatever podcast hosting site you choose. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Bilberry 318 There the conversation always continues, and I release live video content throughout the week. And yeah, that's, that's it. You can uh, email the show at khbilbury at gmail.com, and you can call or text the show at 765-546-9796. I wanted to bring Mr. Rainwater back on the show uh, now so that he could express some different and deeper thoughts than he did in the initial interview People will say, well, why are you having him back so soon? You forget, we are in the new time frame, folks. He was just on back in May, which was just a little over a month ago. However, in the new time frame, that was like five or six years ago. There's been so much that has occurred between May 9th 
and the recording of this show, which is taking place on Tuesday, June 16th, that it seems like it's been eons since he was here. So, in just a few moments, we're going to be joined on the phone by Mr. Donald Rainwater. Sit back, listen to what he has to say, and over the next few months, as we march toward the November general election, I probably will have him on giving his thoughts and opinions on a wide range of topics so that you can make the best choice that you can make when you vote for governor of the state of Indiana. Because let's face it, your choices are Eric Holcomb, which is, that's the way we've always done it, or Dr. Woody Myers, which is same old, same old, or you can vote for Donald Rainwater to help get Indiana back on track. Basically, you don't have three choices for governor. You have two You have two choices. You have the establishment candidates, the Republican and the Democrat, Holcomb or Myers, or you have Donald Rainwater. You're really going to want to give this man a listen, hear what he has to say. If you have questions for him, search him out on his social media. We'll give you that information towards the end of the show. Obviously, you can give those questions to me. I will give them to him as well because we're going to have him on more and more as we get closer to the election. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined on the phone by Donald Rainwater, Libertarian candidate running for governor of the state of Indiana. You're listening to Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey. This is episode 109. We'll be right back. Now we go on the record with a one-on-one interview designed to engage, entertain, or enrage you. Perception is reality. On the record. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this 109th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey, and we are currently joined on the phone by none other than the libertarian candidate running for governor of the great state of Indiana, Mr. Donald Rainwater. Don, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Welcome back. Chris, thank you so much for having me back. I really appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Our last interview was just a little over a month ago, and it went really well. I've got a lot of great feedback on the interview, and we're still a couple months out, obviously, four or five from the election. It feels like it's been an eternity since we talked last. Uh, so much has happened between uh, the last time we talked and now, but we wanted to have you back on and give you a little bit of time to maybe explore some topics a little bit deeper than we did last time and give you uh, the platform to be able to express ideas that uh, you feel the constituents of Indiana need to know before they cast votes in November. So uh, the floor is yours. What, uh, what's, what's been going on? What's on your mind? Absolutely. Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, here we are, it's June 16th and no other topic, uh, in my opinion is going to be more relevant, uh, in, in November during the election than the discussion of healthcare as a right, uh, over the last weekend during the democratic convention, um, Dr. Myers made the statement that if the pandemic taught us anything, it taught us the importance of health care as a right. And uh, I know that a lot of your listeners may cringe when I say this, but I hope they'll hear me out through my whole process of thought. Uh, I agree with. Uh, Dr. Myers, when he says health care is a right, I believe that based on the text of the Ninth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution that says uh, basically that uh, anything not articulated in the Constitution is left to uh, the states or the people themselves 
I believe that your health care decisions are is a right that you have to make on your own. And I believe that the discussion is going to be around who makes your health care choices. Sure. You or big government. And so that's uh, some of that is what I, I would like to talk about a little bit this evening. Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. I know yesterday or the day before in kind of preparing for this, we were talking and you you brought it up very similar to the right to bear arms. And so if you could go into that a little bit, because I, I, I know that what you're saying, folks are going to listen to that and think, oh, God, he said it's a right. But, but explain to them how you look at that. Well, uh, you have the right to bear arms according to the Second Amendment. Now, that does not mean that the government is giving you that right. The both the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution support the idea that your rights are natural. You were born with them. Yes. And that government does not dole out or issue you your rights. According to the Declaration of Independence, to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. The purpose of government is to secure your right. And so the right to bear arms, the government hasn't offered to uh, issue me firearms and pay for them or issue me ammo and pay for them. There is no single payer system suggested for the purchase of firearms. Um, My right to bear arms is protected by the government, but not issued to me by the government. And health care is a right in the exact same way. You and I as citizens have the right to make our own health care decisions, to seek out whether, whatever health care we choose. And the government is supposed to protect our right to have that choice, to exercise our free will. The government is not anywhere in the Constitution, either the U.S. Constitution or the state of Indiana Constitution, given the authority to make our choices for us. Therefore, uh, any effort by anyone to say that, well, we as the government are going to make sure that you have uh, health insurance by telling you that you must purchase health insurance because we're protecting your rights. No, you're not. Because as a natural right to health care, I have the free will to decide whether I'm going to purchase health insurance or not, period. I have the right to determine whether I'm going to get a vaccination or not, period. Yeah. There is no government mandate in either the U.S. Constitution or the Indiana State Constitution that allows government to dictate my health care to me. And I think that is something that we really need to make sure that people stop and think about. The government doesn't have the legal standing to tell you what type of health care, when to get it, how to get it, how to pay for it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I believe that, you know, 150, 200 years ago, people would go to the town doctor and trade uh, a dozen eggs or a bushel of corn or uh, a hog for health care. Yeah. They would barter. Yeah. We don't have the luxury of bartering with our healthcare professionals today 
because of one of the most restrictive government overreaches uh, in the last 240 years, and that's the individual income tax. Sure. Because they won't let you barter unless you can put a dollar value on it, and then they get their cut, (laughs) which is absolutely counterintuitive to people being able to make their own health care choices. Because if I want to go to a doctor and say, if you'll do my annual physical, I'll do a tune-up on your automobile. Sure. We should be able to make that transaction without government interference. And we have the right as human beings, that natural right to have our options and exercise our options without government's interference. And I think it's something as you hear, you know, because here again, Dr. Myers was previously uh, the head of the Indiana state department of health. Uh, and he is going to say a lot about, uh, you know, the, the progressive um, standard of, well, healthcare is a right, and everybody ought to have it, and we need to have a single-payer system, and government needs to step in and make sure this is equitable for everybody, and the only way to make things equitable is for government to get out of the way right. and allow people to make their own choices. One of the things that people all across Indiana need to kind of resign themselves to, if you will, is that freedom, liberty, is hard. Because freedom, liberty, means that I exercise my free will, and as long as I don't hurt somebody else or take their stuff, then I exercise my free will. I then deal with the consequences. Yeah. And we have been conditioned... Here again, by big government, uh, big government education, uh, the big government uh, supported media, and everything that uh, they condition us to think to say, well, you know, I I don't want to have to take care of, I don't want to have to deal with the consequences of my choices. I'd rather have government figure it out for me and pay for it for me, or at least insurance take care of it for me. Can't I just pay a bill every month and, and somebody else make all the decisions? Well, that's a decision and you're allowed to make that decision if that's your choice. Sure. But that shouldn't be everybody's mandated decision. Right, we shouldn't have, to, and and that's the other thing. I, I hear people all the time talk about health care, and then they have a conversation about insurance. <laughs> and the reality is, is health care isn't insurance, but in big government, it's both corporatism. Yeah, and I, I'm sitting here looking at a, a, a computer screen with the preamble to the Constitution on it. And I keep looking for where it says, we the corporations of the United States in order to form a more perfect union, <laughs> and I can't find it. Right. <laughs> because it's not there. Right. It's we the people sure. of the United States. And we've got to start realizing as a, as a people that our, our big government is only interested in pleasing corporations because they're the ones with all the money. Sure. And they're the ones that are putting all the money into the campaigns of the politicians who then turn around. Uh, I'm sure most of your audience knows that once a year they have a big party where members of the Indiana General Assembly get together with all the lobbyists yep. and the lobbyists write bills for them and hand them to them and say, here, go propose this and get it passed. 
corporations are writing our laws in Indiana. And we sit back and we, pardon me for saying this this way, but we sit back and we bitch and complain, but we let the same politicians who are financed by the same corporations go back down there to, yeah, I made the comment two years ago that uh, when I was running for the General Assembly that, uh, you know, Donald Trump called Washington, D.C. the swamp. And if Washington, D.C. is a swamp that needs to be drained, then 200 West Washington Street in Indianapolis, Indiana, is a septic tank, and we need to clean that sucker out. Right. Because it's full of what septic tanks get full of. And we, the people, are the recipient of that. And so I think it's really important, especially with, uh, you know, what we just dealt with with the pandemic and with uh, the shutdown and, oh, the, you know, the shutdown is for uh, flattening the curve so we don't overburden our, our health care system. Well, first of all, they've never shown us on a daily basis what the burden on the health care system was. Right. They didn't. They waited until they were ready to open up. And and then they said, oh, it's been declining for the last two weeks. Well, we never saw, did it ever spike? Sure. And I believe fully that the decisions that were made were made so that the health care corporation didn't lose money. Right. So 725,000, three quarters of a million Hoosiers went into unemployment so that the healthcare industry didn't lose. As a matter of fact, a lot of people don't realize this. A a significant number of nurses and medical technicians were laid, laid off, off. Yeah. Because yeah. they said, oh, no elective procedures. Yeah. And so we don't need these people, so we're not going to pay them. Yeah. So we'll let the federal government pay them, and we'll lay them off so that we can keep getting our bonuses. And. I know it sounds to a lot of people like I've probably drifted off or, or went down a rabbit hole, but if you think about it, this is all about our health care. Right. And our rights to health care and the fact that we, the people, should be represented by our government and protected and our rights to make choices and use our free will and be able to make a decision and then live with the consequences has been superseded by huge corporations in both health care and health insurance who came in and said, you need to protect us, government. Sure. And so we destroyed small businesses across Indiana, and we put people out of work, which put people, you know, the the unintended consequences of this are going to go on in people's lives for years. Yeah. There are people who are behind on their rent or behind on their mortgage and the governor is throwing them under the bus June 30th. And those people are going to be uh, approached by their landlord or their mortgage company. And they're going to say, pay up. And they're going to say, but I can't because I haven't even gone back to work yet. And they're going to go, well, the governor's not protecting you anymore, so we're going to start foreclosure. Or right. We're going to start. And these people are going to be out of a home. Sure. No job. Why? I- so that some health insurance companies and, <laughs> and some, some hospital systems 
can still pay their top executives some bonuses. Now, I, I know that sounds like a Democrat saying that, but it's not. Because the reality is, is that the Constitution is supposed to be we the people. And the true conservative perspective has to be that individuals' rights need to be protected, not trampled on in order to protect the profits of corporations. Absolutely. Let me ask you, let me ask you there real quick. Sorry, I, I no, know I went on for no, quite a while there. No, that 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 was that was fantastic, and and, and I I think that uh, people listening to that they say, yeah, that sounds wonderful. I think that sounds great. And me listening to it, I think yeah, I say, yeah, that sounds wonderful. And it's kind of you know we've been kind of communicating in some of my live content here lately, and I've been wrestling mm-hmm. with the fact that. I, I'm I'm starting to get bogged down in, in a little bit of uh, what feels like people's apathy or, or whatnot, and and so how do you translate? What how are you and your campaign going about translating that such such common sense talk to people so that they understand? How do we get to the point where we're able to get past people's Fears of of uh, the the third party, or fears of the libertarian, or or whatever their hangup is that that doesn't allow them to see that everybody bitches about the same thing that we were just talking about, that you were just mentioning, sure. and that I talk about on a nightly basis. But yet nobody does anything about it. How are you guys trying to change that so that you're getting momentum behind this idea that if people would just stop for a second, sounds so common sense that people should be like, yeah, this is what I want. Well, I think, you know, for a lack, for lack of a better answer, because I don't know that there is a better answer, Chris, all we can do is keep saying it. Yeah. You know, the, the reality is, is here again, the, the two old parties, um, and the establishment within them, the elites, if you will, the media, uh, corporate America, because they are obviously complicit in this because they're the ones benefiting. They all are, are, are spitting out their propaganda and we get a steady diet of it. All we can do as, uh, we the people are stand up, take the opportunity like you do every day, uh, like you're giving me on your show. I know you, uh, I believe you listened to me on Rob Kendall's show yeah. on Sunday. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you know Todd Huff. Yeah. Uh, but I was on the Todd Huff show a few weeks back. Um, and, and I was on a, a show in, uh, out of Frankfurt, Indiana, and I'm trying to get on as many radio shows. And, and here again, you know, uh, I hate to do it this way, but I'll say, um, you know, our, our message, we're going to have to buy radio and TV spots to be competitive with all the other noise that people hear. That takes donations. That takes money. Um, but the reality is, is the only way that we will ever get people to stop and go, you know what? They're right. And we've got to, yes, it's hard, but we've got to stand up and we've got to say enough's enough. Sure. Um, and, and the reality is, is it just takes repetition. We have to, uh, keep, uh, talking about Liberty and free will and, and rights and the purpose of government, which is to protect our rights, not use them against us. Um, we've just got to keep talking about it. And it, it, it's, it's one person at a time. And I tell people, I, I said this to, to, um, uh, Rob Kendall, because he asked me a similar question. 
and uh, we were off the air. And, uh, you know, I, I made it really clear. I said, dude, you know, we've just got to, we've just got to keep telling it. Right. You, you, you know, they, it has taken us 240 years to screw this up this bad. <laughs> We're not going to fix it overnight. Right. But we have to keep trying. Right. People who want the, the freedoms that, uh, our constitution, both our federal and state constitutions are supposed to be ensuring for us. We've just got to keep chipping away at it. Sure. And the thing is, is that every time an establishment uh, individual says, well, you know, if you vote for the third party, all you're going to do is waste your vote. Or all you're going to do is get the other guy elected. Well, what other guy? Because in my viewpoint, and if you look at things from a, a, a critical standpoint, there are only two options in this election. Right. There's big government or there's the libertarian. Sure. Because it doesn't matter whether you vote for Holcomb or Myers. You're going to get the same thing. Right. And if we want, you know, I, my wife is tired of hearing this phrase, and I think my 11-year-old daughter is too, <laughs> but if you keep doing what you're doing, You'll keep getting what you're getting. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You, you know, you, you know what Einstein said. Yep. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You keep going in, hitting that uh, straight picket button, whether it's the R or the D. You keep getting what you're getting. Yeah. Well, and that's and, that's... and so. You know, those are the messages that I try to get out to people. Sure, sure, and that's that's exactly that's exactly uh, what's going on. Whether you're talking about local races or or on up into the even past the state and into the national national races, it's just that's the same old same old. This way, it's all it's always been done, and just fighting that kind of monotony and just the it's the way that that. It, that's the way it's always been done. It's just it's so off-putting to me, and it is to so yeah. many other people. But it just it seems like not enough to do anything about it, and and so it's you, you just have to keep beating that and beating and beating it. And and part before your actual segment on Rob's show on Sunday, uh, I really liked when he brought up the point that you know uh, your Democrat opponent is is running a non-existent race and i mean you know so it, it seems as though you're really running your race against the the whole holcomb re-election deal and it's i i just there is no way that anybody who has lived in the state of indiana in the last since since february and march and, and honestly beforehand but definitely since the pandemic can be happy and can want to give Holcomb another four years. Right. Well, and, it, you know, I always, it, it always amazes me because I'll hear people or I'll see people on uh, social media make the comment that, well, you know, uh, Holcomb's better than the Democrat. And I, I, you know, I stop and think and I go, do you see what the man has done for the last four years? <laughs> he, he governs like a Democrat. Yeah. All the tax increases, all the spending, the, the power grab, um, converting, uh, the superintendent of public instruction to an appointed position instead of an elected one. That's, that's, Taking the voice of the people away from the people. Yeah. That's plain and simple. I don't like who the citizens are picking, so I'm going to take the 
Shame on you, citizens. I'm taking that toy away from you. You can't play with it anymore. (laughs) How dare he? We, the people of the United States. Um, As a matter of fact, I've got the the, uh, preamble to the Indiana State Constitution right here. To the end, that justice be established, public order maintained, and liberty perpetuated. We, the people of the state of Indiana, grateful to Almighty God for the free exercise of the right to choose our own form of government, do ordain this Constitution. Nowhere does it say, we, the people of the state of Indiana, grateful to Eric Holcomb for allowing us to reopen our businesses. It doesn't say that. And the man has taken his position and turned it into something it was never intended to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's absolutely that's absolutely correct and you when you said that earlier about about the democrat I I was talking to a friend of mine from Madison County back right around the time of our first interview and she said she saw a post that I had posted about Holcomb kind of being critical, uh-huh. and she said, "What what do you want a uh, a governor like they've got in in Michigan like Whitmer?" And I said, "No, I want a conservative or or a libertarian, a, a liberty minded leader." Uh, and Holcomb right. is not it, and so you know, I'm not I, like I, a governor in South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she stood up for what she believed was right and for the people. And I think that's, you know, I think that is, um, you know, you can say what you want about uh, the governor of Georgia. The governor of Georgia says, we're we're opening back up. It's time for this to stop. He took a stand. Right. Um, You know, Governor DeSantis in Florida took a stand. We're opening up. You know, yeah. all I've heard is uh, uh, we're going to test it out and make sure that it goes okay. Uh, don't get your hopes up because right. uh, if, if things turn sour, we're we're gonna we're gonna roll it back and and then you know I, I again and I hate to say this this way, but how dare he commandeer? the Declaration of Independence and the anniversary of the signing of that declaration as his um, pandering, pardon me, to the citizens of Indiana. Right. Right. I mean, you know, oh, Independence Day. You know what? Every day is my Independence Day. I am a free (laughs) citizen of the state of Indiana and the United States of America. And it doesn't matter what he says. Right. I have the documents to support my freedom. Right. And he can't take those away. Sure. Sure. And more and more people's just going to have to start understanding that and and it's it's going to I, I don't know, and, and seeing where we are and all the craziness, everything that's going on uh, from from the from the COVID nineteen, from the pandemic, and everything that's went on with that, on through now this current civil unrest, I, I think I'd probably uh, be kicked down the road if I didn't bring that up as the candidate running for. Uh, governor of the state of Indiana, you know, what, what are you guys looking at? What are you looking at as far as what's occurred in Indianapolis in the last couple weeks? You know, what, what, how is your campaign looking at the current situation and the unrest reference the, well, first of all, situation, I, I believe that the, uh, the people who are pro- protesting have an, extremely valid issue that they are putting forward. And I don't know whether you listen to Tony Katz on WIBC, but I think Tony says it really well. The African American community has every right to see that 
as a as a policeman murdering a black man. Sure. Whether it be, and in my opinion, and, and this conversation I had with my wife, uh, the, the incident that occurred, uh, in Atlanta over the weekend. Yeah. I really don't care whether he was drunk, whether he took a taser and pointed the taser at a policeman drunk. They knew he was drunk. Sure. The fact that he was shot twice in the back is unconscionable to me. Yeah. So I believe, like Tony Katz says, what we have is a problem with an over-aggressive government who has lost sight of the fact that they serve the people, not rule the people. Right. Who are killing citizens because they aren't doing the job the way the job is supposed to be done. Now, the fact that the protesters see it through the prism of racism, to me personally, I understand. I don't understand how they feel because I'm not a black person. Sure. But I certainly understand the fact that over the last 300 years, there is a history that they can't just wake up one day and, and forget about. And so we have a responsibility to make sure that government isn't overreaching, whether it be a governor shutting down businesses and putting people in unemployment, right, or a police force that lets their policemen be overly aggressive and commit civil rights violations in the act of doing their jobs. Either way, we've got to get government under control. Absolutely. Now, as far as as far as the uh, rioters, I perhaps now I've heard that everyone involved knew that there was going to be protests on Friday night. The First Amendment ensures that government will protect our right to peaceably assemble. And so government should have been there to ensure the safety of the people who were peaceably assembling. And if they had, I believe the rioting would not have taken place. Right. Because the, because the police in Indianapolis were evidently told to stand down. And the governor uses the excuse, which this governor loves to blame everybody else for <laughs> everything else that happens. Yep. If you ever notice, it's never his fault. Sure. And it's never his responsibility. And in this case... It was, oh, well, we offered, but the city turned us down. Well, I'm sorry, Governor, but the citizens of the city of Indianapolis are still citizens of the state of Indiana. Absolutely. And he is responsible for protecting their rights. And so, and he is the commander-in-chief of the state militia, according to the state constitution. And therefore, he doesn't have to ask the mayor's permission, can I protect my citizens? And I think that it is uh, abhorrent to think that, well, you know, the mayor didn't want us there, so uh, we, we didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is not a political thing. This is about we, the people. So from my perspective, here again, if you, and, and it takes the right mindset. If you have policemen or members of the National Guard who think their job is to lord over 
the citizens, yeah. then it, you're going to have violence yep. and that's going to be a problem. But if you have police departments and national guard who understand that their role is to protect the citizens and to protect their liberties and their, their freedoms to do the things that they are allowed to do. I believe a lot of those things would have been avoided. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you uh, one of the things, and I say it quite a bit, my father always used to tell me he, he, uh, it's just recently, uh, well, he's been gone four years Sunday, uh, but uh, I, I'm a former police officer. I was a police officer for a number of years. and I did not know that. Uh, yes, sir, absolutely. And it, you, my father used to tell me this, and it, it actually pissed me off when he would say it to me. But being removed from the police department, it, it, something happens, and, and, and I do agree that you go through... I don't want to say a brainwashing, but you get that kind of mentality. You'll hear a lot of people say, and they, they say it as cutesy, sometimes there's justice and sometimes there's just us or the whole thin blue line thing. And, yeah. um, you know, I can see why people have issues with that now. Uh, I can definitely, I mean, I bought into whole, all that whole ordeal and, and uh, you know, there were times where I would say being a police officer was the greatest job in the world. I don't know that I necessarily believe that now. I, I wouldn't be a police officer today for any amount of money in the world. Um, but my father used to say that the problem with American policing uh occurred when police officers went from being peacekeepers to tax collectors. And I was right. like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, now I see that. And I'm like, yep, that makes sense. It used to make me mad that he would say that. But uh, now I'm like, yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty spot on. You know, if, if we went back to it's it, and I think we hit on it a little bit the last time that we spoke, if if during this pandemic, you have really laxed up on what people are going to jail for, what you're, what you're citing people for, who's going to jail for this, this, or this. You know, during a pandemic when things should really be orderly and when things should really be locked down or if that's what they're doing, you know, it really makes you wonder, well, once things are back to normal, if that is ever a thing that we achieve again, why should those people now go to jail and be cited or this or that? You know, what it just it appears as though, and I believe you did say that last time, that this would be a good time to kind of reset and say, okay, you know, if this wasn't important during this pandemic, maybe it shouldn't be important after. You know, Absolutely. maybe we should relook take, at that. For example, take a look at all the things that they're talking about cutting. Yeah, in the state budget because they're not collecting the tax revenue that they expected. Well, first of all, you don't hear them going, oh my God, it's judgment day. We're not going to be able to keep the lights on. What are we going to do? They're not doing that. They're cutting the budget. And my, my philosophy is, is if they say they can cut 15%, that means there's a lot more than 15% that's cuttable there. Right. Uh, I also think that it's despicable uh, that, you know, I heard on uh, the radio, somebody interviewed a professor at Ball State who uh, issued a statement about uh, how much damage uh, the budget cuts are going to do to uh, education in Indiana. Well, first of all, um, a college professor at Ball State probably doesn't have the inside track on what all is in the budget, in the state budget. And I would be willing to bet that there is more than enough pork whether it be through cronyism, corporatism, um, or just good old fashioned 
you know, everybody, uh, you know, everybody get on board with voting for this bill and we'll make sure that everybody's uh, district gets a cut of money. I guarantee you there's, there's billions of dollars of unnecessary spending, not spending in, and I'm not talking about cutting, uh, what people refer to as entitlements. I'm not talking about cutting SNAP or TANF or even, um, Medicare, Medicaid, you know, hip 2.0. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, uh, the money spent on a road project from Evansville to Indianapolis that has taken what a decade (laughs) and has been, uh, inundated with cost overruns and extensions. And that's a game that they play. They know when they bid out a contract, when they send out an RFP, they know that what they're going to get are low bids. Yeah. And they know that as soon as the project starts, they're going to start seeing the change requests. <laughs> and, you know, for example, I think the, uh, the Keystone Avenue project here in Hamilton County uh, was probably about 50 or 60 million over budget. And now the state road 37 project looks like it's going to be 40 to 50, 60 million dollars over budget. Well, that's all money that we don't have to spend sure. as taxpayers in the state of Indiana. And we need to have a comprehensive reform of uh, how contracts are done uh, by state government, how they're issued, how well, how we do RFPs. Um, that whole process is a mess. Sure. And and so uh, these are all things that here again kind of go back to the whole um, situation with corporatism and having a governor who. Um, has absolutely no problem looking the other way or specifically telling um, OSHA investigators to back off of Amazon when a Hoosier is killed on the job uh, because he wants to land a big uh, Amazon deal. Uh, He has no problem taking a $50,000 campaign contribution from a testing company in Virginia when there's a testing company here in Carmel who offered tests 50,000 a week for free. Yeah. Yeah. And they were told, well, you're not in our plans. Yep. Yep. Um, Aria diagnostics. I, I interviewed I interviewed that gentleman and was blown away by that and and yeah. just couldn't believe it. But yeah, that's you're exactly right. Yeah. And it, it it's you know the the issues when when the BCS secretary uh. resigned <laughs> and instead evidently and I don't know if I mentioned this last time we talked or not, but Evidently, there's just, according to Eric Holcomb, there's nobody in the state of Indiana competent to figure out how to fix the Department of Child Services. So he had to pay a million dollars to a consulting firm in Georgia (laughs) to come up and tell him how to fix. Now, the thing is, is if he can't find somebody in Indiana who he can appoint to run that organization and to fix the problems, then the problem is not we don't have anybody competent to run DCS. <laughs> the problem is we don't have anybody competent to appoint somebody <laughs> to run DCS. <laughs> and that is an issue. Yes. Yes, yes it is. Sorry. I, now, I'm, now I'm soapboxing. No, no, but, you know, no. That's, that's you exactly. You know what they say? First the soapbox. 
in the ballot box. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, the, you know, so, so <laughs> yeah. right now I'm soapboxing. No, that's... But these are things that I, I think the average voter in Indiana either doesn't know about or they read it and they go, yeah, there's, yeah, gee, yeah, our state government is corrupt. Yeah. But they all are. All the governments are corrupt and it's all, it's never going to change and there's nothing I can do. And, and they talk themselves out of taking action. Right. Right. Well, and that's why it's it's very important, and and I want to make sure to give you the time because I want to make sure that people know that there are other options out there between the and that's that's how I look at it. Holcomb's the same old, same old, and and Woody Myers is the way it's always been, and 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 that's there. Those are the same options, and there is another option out there besides that. But people have to get out of that stigma of the the, the libertarian or the third party. I, I just it's that's so soul crushing to me that that people can't understand that that's I uh, I don't know I don't know what the hang up is on that. But uh, hopefully hopefully people are able to see, and we've had enough crap. I guess happen. I mean, if we're going to go through what we went through in the last couple months, hopefully some good will come of it and they will realize that, man, we don't, we can't deal with this. You know, what happens if something even more serious comes along? What is Holcomb capable of doing to us uh, well, if, if we leave him here? Well, and, and not only that, but Chris, the, the, the thing that a lot of people, I don't think are, are taking into account is that he has set a precedent for every other governor that supersedes him and that succeed. Yeah. That follows him. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and the reality is, is that unless the next governor of the state of Indiana works with the General Assembly to craft legislation to ensure that no governor ever tramples on the citizens' rights in this manner again, it will happen again. And it will happen under whatever circumstances that governor decides, well, you know, Holcomb did it for a pandemic. Sure. And, and I understand why the Indianapolis City Council chose to pass a resolution to say that racism is a public health emergency. Yeah, I get it, but I don't. Do, but I don't agree with them doing it for this reason. If that's the case, now. You have a mayor who can shut down the city because of another public health emergency. Right, right, right. And if I can, if I can pass a resolution that says that uh, the Indiana General Assembly has a supermajority of Republicans in it. And, you know, that's a public health emergency. And so I'm going to uh, disband the G Indiana General Assembly. Now, that may sound far-fetched, but I guarantee you, if you had told me on January 1st that Governor Eric Holcomb was going to shut down the entire economy <laughs> and put 725,000 people out of work, and that in 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 the first six months of this year that uh, the entire downtown Indianapolis uh, cityscape was going to be covered mm. in plywood, mm. 
I would have told you there's no way that's going to happen. You're out of your mind. I don't know what you're smoking, but it's not legal in this state. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's happened, hasn't it? Yeah. And people, people will always look at somebody like me and say, you're out of your mind. That's never going to happen. Yep. Until it does. And then it's too late. And the thing that I, the, the thing that I wish uh, every freedom loving Hoosier would just stop and ask themselves, when is it enough? Yeah. When is the corruption enough? When does it have to, does it have to affect me? Does it have to personally affect me before I look at it and go, this is wrong and I need to take action to stop it? When is the corporatism enough? When are, when are your rights being subjugated so that a corporation can manipulate law to its benefit. When is that? A, when, when, when are we going to say enough's enough? Sure. And that's the thing to me. When people finally say, uh, enough. I mean, the Department of Veterans Affairs, people working there, getting uh, grants that are meant for... Uh, Veterans in need, and the veterans in need getting turned down uh, so that the employees of the veterans, the state veterans administration, can get these grants. When is enough enough? How much malfeasance do we need to witness before we say enough? Right. And it doesn't matter what party, and it doesn't matter who says I'm wasting my vote. I'm done voting for people who are willing to build power and wealth for themselves and their friends on the backs of the citizens who call themselves we the people. Yeah. Yeah, I I tell you, I hope it's uh I I hope we're there. I I really I really do. I I hope that we I, I hope that this is this is the one. I believe that we are definitely uh standing in a lot of ways in the state of Indiana and in the United States as a, as a whole, we are definitely standing at a crossroads here. Right. And well, and I'll tell you just to kind of wrap things up because yeah. I know we're probably getting short on time. Sure, absolutely. Um, I, I, I want to let everybody know um, that Saturday, the twentieth, I believe that's correct. Yep. Twentieth is Saturday um, at one o'clock on the state house lawn. There's going to be another rally or protest if you will. Now, you know, unfortunately, uh, this one involves uh, what the governor referred to as a Petri dish oh, yes. instead of him referring to um, the other protesters as protesting for a, um, an important cause. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have another Petri dish on Saturday at one o'clock, I'll be speaking. I'm one of the invited speakers. Uh, it's on the state house lawn. Uh, I encourage your, um, listeners, uh, to attend if they're so inclined. Sure. Uh, obviously, you know, if they, if they want to attend, uh, with a mask, they're welcome to, if they, uh, don't feel the need to wear a mask, uh, that is their, uh, free will decision, and uh, uh, 
we just want people to know that they can come out and have their voice heard. Absolutely, yeah. And that's a that's at one o'clock. That's at one o'clock on the uh, at the state house. All right. Yeah, I I think I will uh, be in attendance for that and uh, and definitely check that out. I think that that's something that people should definitely attend and people should get involved uh especially if you're if you're if you're on the if you're on the edge you don't know which way to go if if maybe this didn't sell you i will definitely link the first interview in the summary of this interview so people can find that easily uh and uh definitely definitely would would love to have you back on between now and election day and uh, we can always cover more in in in-depth detailed uh issues and and would love to have you on let me ask you before we do wrap up uh for the all important donations if folks are wanting to uh, learn more about you find more about you or donate where can they do all of that at that's at rainwaterforindiana.com Okay, I'll put that in the summary as well. Rainwaterforindiana.com. And you can find that by doing the number four or spelling four out correct either way, right? Right, spelling F-O-R or the number four. Okay, yeah, I will absolutely uh, get that uh, in the summary as well. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we have been speaking to Donald Rainwater. I appreciate your time, and as always, uh, it's it's been a great, great time and would love to have you back any time. So uh, I appreciate it, and best of luck to you, sir. I appreciate it as well. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, don't forget to have a popsicle. (laughs) Absolutely. Keep that throat... throat, Limbered up. Yep, yep. I'm still there. I've, I've got to go back for the. Uh, I've got to go back for the uh, checkup uh, on Thursday. So hopefully we're we're doing good. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, sir. Well, thank you again. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this 109th episode of Perception Is Reality. That was Donald Rainwater, Libertarian candidate running for governor of the state of Indiana. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey, your host of Perception Is Reality. Remember to share the show with everyone you know. We can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. Get this information out because this is who we need to get Indiana back on track. Until next time, stay active, stay involved, stay safe, and God bless. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember... Perception Perception is is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.